0: Well, what a, what a song. Yeah, I uh, I um, had heard that song long before, and uh, before we sang it first service, I knew there was a part that gets me every time, and I wasn't ready for it, and it got me first service, and it got me again. Um, you know, I just, I think that uh, we have a tendency for to forget that God is for us, and that He sees us, and that He's always, He's there, and it's, and you're weeping and you're rejoicing. He's always there. And sometimes it's just easy to forget that, that God is with us. And when God is with us, who can be against us? Amen. And, uh, you know, I just, that, that blessing, we we tend to, I feel like that's a, kind of an ancient uh, thing. It was, it was kind of an Old Testament thing to have a blessing. And that, that scripture is from the Old Testament. And uh, it seems like something we don't do these days. And, you know, recently I was, Reading this book, talking about how we should be, we've stopped praying these blessings over our kids. And I don't know where we lost that along the way. Uh, And we pray at mealtime and we might pray at bedtime, but we don't pray a blessing over them uh, on a daily basis. And what we're about to find out here in our message today is that God does not forget his blessings. And it may not seem like he's always working toward it, but when God puts a blessing in your life or when God promises a blessing, it's coming eventually. He never forgets his promises or blessings. And, And so I would encourage you, especially you with young kids, just start this practice of praying a blessing over your kids and they may not understand what's happening or maybe you do it when they're asleep. I I don't know. I would do it while they're awake and just say, I'm just praying a blessing over you because there's a lot, you know, our world is tough today and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. And I think our kids are going to need these blessings that we pray now, uh, later. And and maybe you prayed blessings before when they were a kid. And maybe you've got a prodigal right now that needs to come home, but I encourage you (laughs) to know that God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget his promises and he doesn't forget the blessings. And I would encourage you as parents and as all of us that we would pray these blessings over one another and remember them as we live. Well, I'm glad that all of you are here with us this morning. If it's your first time, uh, we're glad that you're here and you've chosen to worship with us. It's uh, Independence Day weekend, and maybe you've already celebrated. It looks like the sun has come out. It was a little iffy there earlier this morning. I didn't know what was going to happen, but uh, so the sun is out and we can celebrate. And so, you know, may your drinks be ice cold and your grills be hot today and tomorrow, and may it be full of all sorts of good meat and and veggies. And, uh, you know, let me just give you some advice. If you can't afford the steak, go with the pork chop. If you can't afford the pork chop, go with the burger. If you can't, go, you can't afford the burger, go with the hot dog. And if you can't afford the hot dog, then just throw you a few slices of thick bologna on there and just make do with what you've got. However you celebrate, let's kick back and be thankful for all of the freedoms and the blessings that we have in our country, one of which is the freedom to come here every week and assemble together and worship the one true God. You know, Independence Day is certainly a time of celebration, and it just kind of embodies summertime, right? It's hot out. We're with our friends. You know, it's uh, the the barbecue's out. Sometimes you're meeting at the pool, and uh, it just doesn't. It just wouldn't feel right to have it like in the middle of like November or something. I, that's well, that's Thanksgiving. But but you know, it's Independence Day. You know, it, it, during this time we eat too much. We we get too much sun. We spend too much, and you know what? We love it. Why? Because we're usually doing all of these things and we're usually spending and all these things, we're doing it all with our family and friends and it's just a good time to be with our people. Now, you might have been missing some of the patriotic elements. Usually, maybe you come to church on 4th of July weekend, and you think there's going to be some sort of patriotic elements as part of the service. And if you're missing that, don't you worry. Don't you worry if you've been waiting, because I've got you covered. Because this morning, I've come to bless you with some Independence Day-related comedy before we get into the message. And let me tell you, I'm excited because first service, Jeff Ransom was here, and he laughed at one of them. So, it was Jeff Ranson approved. And you know what? If we can't laugh and have fun, well, it's just boring, right? It's just boring if we can't have some fun together. And listen, I know up front, these aren't gonna be for everybody. These jokes aren't gonna be ever for everybody. I can't cover all my bases, but I think most of you will like it. It just might not be your type of comedy. So just keep an open mind. For instance. You might like knock-knock jokes. My boys love knock-knock jokes. Notice I didn't say good knock-knock jokes. They just love knock-knock jokes because about 60% of them don't make any sense, but they're getting there, okay? So the, the problem is if you love a good knock-knock joke, there's just not a good knock-knock joke for Independence Day in America because guess what, my friends? Freedom rings. It doesn't knock. It rings, Okay? Now, maybe you're a cat lover and I can't help you, but if you're a dog lover, do you know what you get when you cross a Patriot with a curly haired dog? That's right, Yankee Poodle, okay, Yankee Poodle. For If you're a history buff and you study up on this and you know the name Paul Revere, perhaps you know the answer to this question. Do you know why Paul Revere rode his horse that famous night all the way from Boston to Lexington? it was because his horse was too heavy to carry. He had to ride the horse because he couldn't carry the horse. And one more before we move on to more (laughs) what you're actually here for. Uh, (laughs) Before they pull the hook out, uh, what What would you get if you crossed George Washington with cattle feed? You would get the fodder of our country. That's right, the fodder of our country. And that's enough because we're going to move on because, friends, it's not fodder's day. It's the 4th of July. But dad jokes are how I roll, okay? So uh, it's fitting that we would tell some dad jokes today, not because it's Father's Day, but because today we're going to be looking at one of the greatest fathers in all the Bible, a man by the name of Abraham. Now, Father Abraham, as a matter of fact, and if you know Father Abraham, you know he had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham right hand. All right, when, if you're looking around, you're wondering why people are laughing, that you didn't grow up at like VBS and Sunday school, okay, that's, and that's okay, that's okay you're probably better for it. All right. When when we first see our friend Abraham, his name is actually Abram, which means exalted father. Before God changed his name then to Abraham, which means father of many nations. And what we're going to see is this was not a, a change in name only, but it was a change in who Abraham was to become. You know, this far in our Themes of Genesis series, we've covered four weeks with topics life, curse, salvation, and judgment. And our senior pastor, Dave Stoffer is like, I just am feeling like I want to do one more week in this Themes of Genesis series. I'm getting into Abraham, and really, we can't end on judgment. That's just like brooding, like ah, menacing. So he wanted to go one more week. And so this week, we're going to be talking about blessing. We're going to be going to the, the book of Genesis chapter 12 and the introduction of of Abram. And so today, as we go through this message, we're going to see that Abraham was blessed for two reasons. First, that he believed God, and then second, that he obeyed God. And the last part we're going to look at, and perhaps the most important part of Abraham's story, is that he was blessed to be a blessing. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, will you join me in the book of Genesis? We're going to be in chapter 12 this morning, but we're actually going to start out at the end of chapter 11. Because in the latter part of Genesis 11 and then in chapter 12, we read, or we see the story of the Bible. It starts zeroing in on this man named Abraham, and everything changed after that. We see in Genesis eleven twenty seven 27, a little bit more about Abraham's family. His father was a man named Terah. And I don't know if you know anything about his family or that his dad's name was Terah or not, but you might think that as a hero of the faith for what Abraham would become, if you know Abraham's story and what he would become, you might think that he was brought up in, in a God-fearing household, that he was brought up worshiping the one true God. But we actually find out in Joshua chapter 24 that his family served other gods. Like many of these these old families that that, that were in the the Old Testament, many of them walked away from the one true God and they started serving other gods. Last week we saw the beginning of man-made religion in the city of Babel and that is what Abraham's family was following, these man-made gods. He did not know the one true God. That is, until God the creator revealed himself to Abraham and changed the world forever. We actually see record of this in the New Testament. The first Christian martyr Stephen testified in Acts 7, The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran so that's going to bring us to Genesis chapter 12, where we see God reveal himself to Abraham, and we read of the Lord first speaking to him. So Genesis 12, verse 1. <clears throat> now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, you might read through that and miss a little bit of the significance of it. You might feel like God's only referring to what, to the nation of, or what would become the nation of Israel, these people, direct descendants, directly through the line of Abraham. But Jesus came from the line of Abraham. And when Jesus made salvation for the Jew as well, or the Gentile as well as the Jew, everything changed. And that means that as we sit here today, some 4,000 years later, after this promise, after this blessing was spoken to Abraham, we are part of the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12. We are in that category of all families of the earth. And you might read through the Old Testament, right? Read through the Bible and not quite follow it. You might not quite understand what's going on. Like, what is this random collection of stories? What is this random collection of people? Why does the Bible follow these specific people? But the thing is, it's not random at all because it all leads to Jesus. All of the Old Testament from Adam on leads to Jesus Christ. All the stories and people of the Old Testament lead to Jesus, which leads us to today. The story of the Bible is brought into our story by Jesus, and that brings the blessing of God into our lives. Here we are all these years later, and it brings, us into, brings it into our lives. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 3, Know then that it is, the, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. And he also said, If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offering, heirs according to his promise. We are still being blessed by God today, according to the promise that we see here made by God in Genesis 12. And that's a pretty far-reaching promise that even today, the blessings that were spoken back in Genesis 12 are still happening today. We are still part of that promise. Our God is so faithful, amen? But let's back up a little bit before we get ahead of ourselves. Before God would bless all of the families of the earth through Abraham, he first had to bless Abraham himself. And as we said earlier, Abraham received this blessing of God because he believed God. I mean, think about what happened here in Genesis 12. It's important to remember, we bring up for a reason that Abraham did not come from a God-worshipping family. He did not know God before Genesis 12 here. And so here he is, God starts speaking to him, he, starts, he reveals himself to him, and it's the first interaction that he's had with God. And what does God immediately tell him? God tells Abraham to pack up his things and go away from his family, go, from, go away from everything he's ever known to a place that he'll show him. He doesn't say, here's where I want you to go, point, uh, point on the map. No, he said, you follow me, I'll tell you where to go. He just tells him to go to the land of promise, and he will make a great nation out of him, certainly a huge promise. And for, for many of us, perhaps hard to believe. I've never met you before. You're speaking to me and you're going to, you're telling me you're going to make a great nation. That doesn't, I don't even understand. And what made this tougher for Abraham to process was that his wife, Sarah was barren. She couldn't have kids. How are you going to make a great nation out of me, God, when my wife can't even have kids? I mean, God tells you he's going to make a great nation out of you, but your wife is barren. You start thinking, I hear you, God. All right. Okay. I'll go with you. But this isn't really adding up for me. But the thing is, at this point, there's no record of Abraham questioning God, only that he followed what he was told to do. He believed God from the outset. He might not have known God previously, but this first encounter, it was enough. He was on board. Let's do it. Okay, I'll, I'll get my things. Let's go. You, you, wherever you, are, you want me to go, I'll go. It was enough to convince Abraham to pick up everything and go where God led him. Maybe it didn't all make sense, but it was enough to get him moving. But after a little while... Doubt starts to creep in. Years later, things haven't moved forward yet. This great nation thing hasn't even, the ball has not even started rolling yet for Abraham. He still doesn't have a son, and, and he goes to the city of Sodom and, and obeys God, but the, the king tries to offer him all these riches. He said, nope, nope, God said I'm not supposed to do that. I, I, I shouldn't be there. Uh, I, I turn it all down. I can't, I'm only taking what God told me to take. But it gets, it's like the wheels start turning. He's like, man, when am I going to get mine? When, when am I going to get that blessing? When, when is this going to start happening, God? And the word of the Lord comes to him in a vision. We read about it in Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. God, how, how is this gonna work? You're telling me you're gonna make me a great nation yet you haven't given me a son yet. My wife is still barren. Now she's just older. It, we're going in reverse here, God. You gotta start doing something for me. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he, God, brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. I don't know if you've ever tried to go outside and number the stars, but it's a pretty tough thing to do because by the time you get to like 65,000, the sun starts coming up. You're like, man, I got to start all over tomorrow. Like I lost, this is an uphill battle for me, God. Right? So eventually you just give them, you're like, it's too many to count, God, I can't do it. And he's like, exactly. I'm going to make your offspring too many to count. That's a big promise, especially when no movement's been made, but he reaffirms his promise with this covenant, And right in the very next verse, Abraham, we read about Abraham, and he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord. Here we are years after that initial promise in Genesis 12, and now he follows up with this incredible covenant, and yet Abraham, he still believed God fully. I mean, as numerous as the stars, that's a huge promise. We can't even comprehend how much that is, how big that is. You might know some big families, right? But this is bigger than anything we can comprehend. And yet Abraham believed like that. New Testament writers, Paul and James, they use this verse in their writings. This is, this is a foundational verse for the faith that Abraham would believe right off the bat. Paul uses it twice in Romans 4.3 and Galatians 3.6. And the half-brother of Jesus, James, he includes it in his letter in James 2.23. This is a huge moment in the history of our faith, in the history of the Jewish faith, because Abraham, he has free will, just like all of us. He could have heard this and gone, nah. You see, you let me down on the first one, God. I still don't have a son. I'm, I'm going to go over here. I you haven't shown me anything yet, God, so I'm, I don't believe anymore. I didn't even know you before, and you came and said this, and so I'm, gonna, I'm moving on. I, 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 I'm going to make my own way now. I'm going to go back home and do my own thing. Man, how different would things be if Abraham had made that decision? But instead, he believed the Lord. Abraham, he was believing the impossible, but he was about to find out that what is impossible for man is certainly possible for our God. He was about to find out that though his wife was barren and advanced in age, there is no obstacle that our God cannot overcome. Even when it doesn't make sense, our God can knock down the wall. And eventually, they would have a son named Isaac to continue on the lineage that would eventually lead to Jesus. If only we would learn just to trust and believe God and what he has said, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it seems like there's there's this obstacle that we can't overcome. If only we would just trust and believe. Certainly we are in some tense times in our country and in our world. Over the last six weeks, we have seen this trifecta of controversy just raised to the top Arguments over guns and homosexuality and now abortion and they've dominated the news and social media and it's tearing us apart. It's getting pretty ugly. And when we immerse ourselves in the headlines, it affects us. It does. You can say that it doesn't, but I believe that it does. I simply can't believe that you would spend your whole day on social media and news sites and watching cable news and not become angry and bitter and anxious and scared and a whole range of other emotions and feelings. And while we do all that, while our eyes and our minds are tied to all of that, our Bible sits there in the corner gathering dust because we don't have time for that. I'm too busy catching up on the world. I think it's time that we need to stop only using bible verses for ammunition against the other team and start paying attention to what it says the full range the full story of what it says it's time for us to start believing god when he says these things it's time for us to start listening to the words of his son jesus when he says things like do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on it's not life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are we not more valuable than the birds? We are God's greatest creation, his masterpiece. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Has worrying ever solved the situation? Has worrying or being anxious about something ever lengthened our life? In fact, Half the time, it's killing us. It's shortening our life. You need to believe Jesus when he says things like, I have said these things to you, that in me, you may have peace. Not in me, you may win. Not in me, that you will be victorious over the other side. Not in me, that that you will be coming out on top. It's in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You will have trials and you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. We need to listen to Jesus when he says these things. There was so much uncertainty, and I'm sure fear, and what God called Abraham to do. He was calling him from what he had, everything he had ever known, from his family and where he had grown up. Yet he believed God and went. Even when it had been a while and he hadn't seen God moving on this promise, Abraham still believed God. And so the question is, do we believe God? Do we believe these words of Jesus? And I'm not saying that all anxiety is caused by a lack of faith. I'm not saying if you just had a little bit more faith, you wouldn't struggle with anxiety. I know that it is a real struggle for some, and some struggle with it more than others. But I do believe that we bring some of it upon ourselves by surrounding ourselves with the bad news of the world instead of the word of God. And if we were truly to believe his words, I think some of our anxiety and stress would be alleviated. We are blocking out the blessing that God has for our lives because we are too focused on the evil and the negativity of the world and its place. Friends, we can always trust what God says, even if it seems like everything is running contrary to it. We're so willing to believe whatever we read by the experts on Facebook or Twitter or the things that we hear on Fox News or CNN, but I would suggest we stop listening to the noise and start listening to the truth. It's time to believe that God is still in control and he is working all things for the good of those who follow him. Christianity has stood strong for 2,000 years and has outlasted empires and nations of all kinds. And it's gonna be standing long after any of these controversies that we're facing today. God is on the throne and he's not going anywhere. Let us listen and believe. Abraham was considered righteous and he received the blessing from God because he believed God. Even when it didn't make sense, even when it looked bleak, even when it looked like he wasn't there. And because he believed God, he obeyed God. Genesis 12, 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So Abram went, he just went. And this is the same kind of response we saw from Noah when God told him to build an ark when there was no water anywhere to be seen. You want me to do what? That doesn't make any sense. Noah had no first-hand experience about what what was about to happen with the flood because, well, nobody did. But he believed God and he did what God told him to do. And this is why we said in that message about Noah that his salvation, like ours, was by grace through faith. Faith is the human response to what God says. It includes both believing God and obeying God. James said that faith without obedience is dead. If we're going to claim to believe and we're going to claim to be a Christian and we're going to claim to love, then we need to obey, not just believe. Our faith is twofold. And this is the pattern that we're beginning to see even from the first book of the Bible that we follow all the way through the story, all throughout history. We believe and obey. If you believe God, then we must obey God. Jesus told his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Abram would have never become Abraham if his faith was only rooted in belief. He had to obey as well. But it didn't stop there. See, if you know much about Abraham, you know that there was a lot of famous stories about him, but perhaps the most famous story is in Genesis 22. And we read about it. And it says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham! And he said, Here I am. That makes me chuckle. Hey, he, I'm here. Yep. <laughs> he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And what a huge test! This is now. Now, why, why would God ask Abraham to do such a thing? This whole offspring thing, this great nation thing. Hello, God. It has to come through my son. That's just, just biology, right? I, I mean, like it has to happen this way. It can't happen any other way. If you want this to happen, how how are you going to get around that, God? <laughs> we would see a long time later how they would get around that, but. This giant promise of God that he had made, this covenant, was dependent upon Isaac. If Abraham's offspring were to be as numerous as the stars, it had to run through Isaac. And so Abraham, he has to be wondering, God, what are you up to? What are you doing here? This doesn't make any sense. But sometimes it's really hard to see how God's working and what his plan is, isn't it? See, his ways are above my ways. And that means I'm not always going to understand them in the moment. Maybe years later, I'll understand. But in the moment, man, God, I don't know what you're doing. Abraham was fully trusting God to make a nation out of his descendants. But now God is asking him to kill the one and only son that he had finally given him. And how did Abraham respond? He responded in obedience. And I want us to notice two things about this test. First, that Abraham didn't even question the need for a sacrifice. And that's interesting because if you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah from Genesis 18, he's negotiating with God. God, if, if look, if I can get 50 people, will you save it? Okay, uh, can I get, if I can get 10, will you save it? If I can get one, please. Couldn't even find one. But he was negotiating with God, saying, hey, please, help, please save them, please save them. And yet with his own son, Isaac, he said, okay, let's do it. Whatever you say, God. He believed that the blessing depended on the sacrifice. When Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of his day, he gave us some insight into what, got, into what Abraham really knew, He said in John 8, 56, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He he saw it and was glad. Somehow and at some time, great mystery. God gave Abraham a glimpse of where his descendants were headed, a little pull down the shade of what was to come, and a glimpse of his great plan and purpose that would be revealed through Jesus Christ, the descendant of Abraham who would go to Calvary. Second thing to notice is that Abraham believed that God would provide the sacrifice. As they're walking up the mountain, Abraham he's carrying the knife and probably a torch of some sort, and Isaac is carrying the wood. Isaac turns to his father and says, "Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering?" And Abraham answers, "God will provide. God will provide the lamb for Himself, the lamb for a burnt offering, my son." When they arrive at the place of sacrifice, Abraham builds the altar. He puts the wood under it, and then he lays his one and only son that he waited so long, loves so much, lays Isaac on there and ties him there. Now a note here is that Isaac is actually a young man. You might have heard this story before or always believed that Isaac was a boy, that he just did whatever his father told him to do, but that's not how this was. Isaac Isaac was just as much a part of this as anything. He certainly could have overpowered his 125-year-old dad, if he didn't want to do this. So this is a picture here of a father who was willing to give up his only son, but also a son who is willing to be the sacrifice if that is the will of the father. Oh, what a beautiful picture and foreshadowing of Calvary this is. Abraham and Isaac, they're both obedient because they believed. And God saw their willingness to obey and sent the angel to stop the killing of his only son. And he provided a ram in the thicket to substitute for Isaac. Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And from this, we get a great title for our God, Jehovah Jireh, or the Lord will provide. And when we trust and obey the Lord, we become the recipients of his great blessing. Abraham believed and he obeyed. And before we wrap up this morning, there's one more thing I want us to get from this story, and that is that he was blessed to be a blessing. Remember in Genesis 12, too, it says, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. Not just I'm going to bless you so you can have a great life. No, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. Through the blessing of Abraham, you and I can experience the blessing of God. If not for that blessing through Abraham, we wouldn't have access to God today. In fact, all the families of the earth are blessed because of him. God stopped the hand of Abraham from killing Isaac, his only son, but he did not prevent the death of Jesus, his, only son, his one and only son, at the hands of evil men. Ironically, had he allowed Isaac to be killed, we don't know how, how it would all have gone. How would have God done that? He had to stop that so his offspring could be numerous, but it was only because he let it go through with Jesus that we could all have this blessing as well. And that's how we get the blessing, because of Jesus. Your life and my life is blessed with every spiritual blessing, and we become heirs to the same promise as Abraham because of Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And guess what? We are blessed when we believe, and we are blessed when we obey, and we, just like Abraham, are blessed to be a blessing not to just sit and and enjoy it, not to have some great life and be like, I'm so blessed. Thank you, God. No, we're blessed to be a blessing. Before he left the earth and sent his spirit to dwell within us, Jesus, in some of his last words said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, we haven't been saved or blessed just to sit on our hands and wait for him to come back. No, we have been blessed so that we can go and so we can teach and make disciples and to baptize. God, he told Abraham to go and he went. Jesus told us to go and, well, have we gone? we're going to claim that we believe, if we're going to claim that we love Jesus, that he is the king of our life, then we have to obey. It's two-sided. If we're going to say that we believe, we have to obey, and then we need to use the blessings that we've received to bless others. And what does that look like? Well, these blessings, they may not be earthly blessings, but it's the spiritual blessings that we have received through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Spiritual blessings like a living hope that goes beyond this world, that says that there's more than the evil of this world. There are so many people out there struggling that need to hear that there is a God that is for them, yet when we keep and hold on to those blessings, they don't hear it. There are so many people struggling because they don't know who Jesus is. We have been blessed by Jesus and washed by his blood so we can share that news, that great gospel news, all the way to the ends of the earth. And so here we sit this morning. Have you counted your blessings lately? Sometimes this world can beat you down over and over and we start to forget that we are blessed. We start to forget our blessings. So have you counted your blessings lately? Have you allowed yourself to see the blessings that are around you? Satan has this way to make us focus on one area of our life that's not going real well right now, that we're really struggling with, and we have a tendency to forget our blessings. But man, thinking about those blessings and how grateful we are for what God has done and is continuing to do and has done in the past, count our blessings. We are blessed to live in a great country with a lot of great freedoms that aren't found in a lot of other areas of the world. But even more importantly, We are blessed to be a part of the family of God, to be a part of the church, a blessing that a whole lot of people are missing out on. And we are blessed to have a God that loves us beyond measure and wants to bless us so we can bless others. If only we would believe and obey and go and let them know that they are loved by a God, that he is for them, that the blood of Jesus covers them because he loved them so much A love that they can never be separated from by anything in this world. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your immense love. And we see your blessing all the way from Genesis 12 all the way today. Father, as we sit here, and many of us have been blessed with spiritual blessings know that knowing that Jesus has died for each one of us i'm so thankful that you are faithful that even in times when it's hard to see even in times when you maybe we get frustrated because you're not working the way we sh- we think you should I'm so thankful that you are still working you're still working on your promises and you're still working on these blessings and so father God I, I just I pray this morning that for those that are here sitting just struggling with some of the things in this world and struggling to deal with what Satan might be throwing at us, I pray that we remember that you are for us, you are not against us. And when you are for us, nobody can come against us. We can never be separated from the love of your son, Jesus, from your love. There's nothing that could ever take away these spiritual blessings, Father. Our earthly blessings—they may fade away—but our spiritual blessings are forever. And I pray that we would never forget that. But as part of that, Father, I pray that we would believe, and that we would obey, and that we would go and tell others and share others that we have, and remember that we have been blessed to tell others. We have been saved to reach those that need to be saved. Those that don't know you—there are lost souls all over the place. We just have to look down the street. And so, Father, I pray that we would start to love like Jesus loves us. And we would forgive like we have been forgiven. And we would try to reach others for your son, Jesus. Father, there's a lot of ways we're looking to change the world. And we cry out to you a lot. But Father, our marching orders from your son were to go and to make disciples and to teach and to baptize and to love. And so, Father... I pray that we would start there. When we're trying to change the world, when we're trying to change our community, we would start by loving others and telling them about Jesus, that we would be blessing others the way we've been blessed. Father, I thank you so much for your love and I thank you for your son, Jesus, that you would love us enough, that you would send his only son and let him die for us so we could be saved and be part of this blessing. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen you've never had the relationship with Jesus, if you never come forward and said, I want to be baptized today into the waters to make him the Lord and King of my life, I give it all up and I want a relationship with Jesus, there's no better day than today. So I'd love to talk to you about what baptism looks like because there's a lot of things, there's, people tell you there's a lot of options in this world. You can be whoever you want to be, you can do whatever you want to do, but the truth is there's only one way to the Father and that's through his son Jesus. So if you've never accepted him, if you've never made him the king of your life, if you've never believed, well, it's time to believe and obey and come forward and give your life over to him. If you're here this morning and you just need some prayer, you're going through some things right now, or there's somebody that you a light, and something going on in the life of a loved one you're just really struggling with, or maybe you're just beaten down right now, or maybe you just need the reminder that God is for you and not against you whatever that looks like. I would love to pray with you this morning just put an arm around you and bring God into whatever situation is going on in your life right now. Our God is an awesome God and he's given us this gift of prayer because he wants that personal relationship with all of us. So if you have a decision to make or you just need some prayer this morning, I'll be right up front. I'd love to talk to you. But I invite all of you to stand and sing our final song together now.